Did you know that 65% of the people murdered in the last 10 years were killed by handguns? Would it make you feel any better, little girl, if they was pushed out of windows? <laughs> That. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the From middle Pacifica with Radio you. in Los Angeles, this is the Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Up in Oregon on KYAQ on the Central Coast in Queso in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI. In Maui, Hawaii on KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN. Palinville, New York's WLPP. Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR. New Orleans, WHIV. Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle, Washington's KODX, in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, in Round Mountain, California on KKRN, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Detour Talk, and other fine affiliates, both terrestrial and internet-based, blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me... From bradblog.com, thank you very much for joining us today. That would be me and the delightful Desi Doyen yes. at our side. How are you, Des? I am here. I mentioned on our previous broadcast uh, Trump's unhinged Twitter rant on Thursday morning in which he called for arming school teachers as a response to the mass shooting that killed 17 on Valentine's Day at the uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida and uh, wounded uh, more than a dozen others. Well, in those tweets from Trump, he said that those armed teachers would, quote, immediately fire back if a savage sicko came to a school with bad intentions. Attacks would end, he says in all caps. If a potential sicko shooter knows that a school has a large number of weapons, uh, sorry, a large number of weapons talented teachers who will be instantly shooting. The sicko will never attack that school. Problem solved. Well, if that notion sounds familiar, maybe there's a good reason for that. Uh, Twitterer Tom R2D2 sent me a link to this uh, clip from about 40 years ago as Archie Bunker of All in the Family appeared on a uh, he was appearing in this episode on a television commentary on behalf of a group called Guns for Everybody in which he said damn near the same thing that Trump said in his tweets 40 years later. Now I want to talk about another thing that's on everybody's mind today and that's your stick ups in your sky jackets which uh, if that was up to me I could end the sky jackets tomorrow. All you got to do is arm all your passengers. <laughs> you know, you arm, and then you got no more superiority there. 
he ain't going to dare to pull out no rod. And uh, then you realize that they wouldn't have to chase the passengers on the ground no more. They just pass out the pistols at the beginning of the trip, and they pick them up again at the end. Page quote. Yep, that's uh, that's kind of it. Case closed. Case closed. Said. I could end it tomorrow. That's what Donald Trump was always saying. Well, end this tomorrow, at least until he became president. Uh, but yes, give everyone guns, and then they'll shoot back. <laughs> Forty years ago, Archie Bunker. All in the family. Uh, Tom R2D2 says in his tweet, now we all know what it's like to have Archie Bunker as president. Right on the money. On a less amusing thought on the same topic, African-American activist Bree Newsom, who famously climbed that flagpole in front of the South Carolina State House a couple of years ago to take uh, a couple of years ago. Actually, well, how long ago was that? Was like, was, I think it was two years ago. I don't ago. even know at this point. I've lost all track of time. Anyway, she's one who climbed up on the flagpole to take down that Confederate flag in front of the South Carolina State House. She tweeted about all of this, about all of this talk about giving guns to teachers as a way to combat our school shoot. And it's, you know, it's not even a way... It it, it it might respond to uh, school shootings, but we've got shootings everywhere. Yes. Constantly in this country. In every venue. Should we arm all the waiters and waitresses at the restaurants? Should we arm all of the bartenders at the clubs? Should we arm all of the, the pastors at the churches? How about the street sweepers when you're having an outdoor concert? Uh, th- we better arm them. Anyway, uh, she tweeted, uh, whenever politicians talk about giving more guns to people as a solution to gun violence, you can rest assured they aren't talking about black people. Because we are shot and killed by police for holding BB guns, wallets, cell phones or nothing at all. She is right, of course. Uh, and I've wondered quite a bit of late what would happen if a bunch of a bunch of black folks uh, purchased a whole bunch of AR-15s and started marching down streets with it. Or a bunch of Muslim Americans. What would the response from uh, GOP lawmakers be on gun control at that point? Though I'd certainly understand why neither African Americans or Muslim Americans would be inclined to go out and find out, frankly. Yeah, it's a rather dangerous experiment to run on oneself. In fact, it was after a group of Black Panthers, the the activists from the 60s and 70s, not the Marvel uh, superhero, Black Panthers uh, had taken to the streets, marching openly with guns. That is what led to California Governor Ronald Reagan at the time, who is now revered, of course, by the NRA. But um, that's what led him to propose and pass new gun restrictions in the state of California. Once the black people started getting guns, well, they had to do something about it, didn't they? Similarly, uh, remember a Philando Castile the uh, the Minnesota African American school worker who was shot and killed in his car by a cop back in 2016, after he was pulled over with his girlfriend and her her four year old child, he was shot and killed in front of both of them. He was shot after telling the cop, as he is supposed to, that he had a gun in his glove box as a, a licensed uh, concealed carrier uh, at the time. Well, Kelly Wickham Hurst, uh, who goes by Mocha Mama on Twitter, she's the executive director of the group Being Black at School, which fights for equity and safety for black students. 
She tweeted, I'd, I'd remind us all that Philando Castile worked in a school. He had legally purchased his gun. Since he was black and got profiled and told the officer that he had a gun, he was shot. She writes, can you imagine people working in schools trying to get to work every day while being black with a gun? Y'all not going to get black teachers to do this. It'll be one more excuse for chaos to happen when police are called to schools so they can say they feared for their lives with a black teacher and a gun. True enough. Uh, and I guess the, uh, the the teacher doesn't even necessarily have to be black for a, 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 a cop to come in uh, to in the middle of a school shooting with teachers fighting, f- firing the other direction as the myth has it, um, for people to, to to be killed and for the cops to be confu- confused and have no idea what to do. Yeah, how is, a, how is a police officer, how is anyone supposed to understand who the shooter actually is if if so many people have guns in those situations? It's just so dangerous for the black teachers and especially for the black students. Yeah, well, you know what? Maybe that's a, maybe that's a feature, not a bug for, the, uh, for this scheme to arm teachers, not to... Uh, it sound too cynical here, but this idea of uh, arming school teachers and workers, it's certainly true that the terrorist enabling NRA never came to Philando Castile's defense after he was uh, shot uh, f- for doing nothing in his car other than being black and owning a gun. Legally. They, the NRA never came to his defense, as they almost certainly would have had cops gunned down a white guy in the very same circumstances with a legal uh, license to carry a gun while doing absolutely nothing that could be seen as provocative or menacing or physically dangerous to the cop who who murdered him. But with uh, with that uh, on um On Friday, Florida Governor Rick Scott rolled out a package of gun reforms with the Florida legislature. Scott has long had an A-plus rating from the NRA, which they describe as the highest possible rating reserved for, quote, reserved for elected officials with an excellent public record on critical NRA issues who has also made a vigorous effort to promote and defend the Second Amendment. When the NRA endorsed him for his uh, 2014 re-election campaign as governor, they wrote that Rick Scott has an unmatched record of support for the Second Amendment in Florida, boasting that Rick has signed more pro-gun bills into law in one term than any other governor in Florida history. And uh, I don't have time I, to, to sort of go through that this incredible number of laws that they describe as pro-gun bills, and including, uh, you know, making it easier and easier, making it cheaper and cheaper to get uh, a license to uh, to carry weapons and so forth in the state of Florida, at least when it comes to handguns where they require a license. Everyone else doesn't need a license at all. But with that in mind, um, Rick Scott and Republican legislatures legislators announced this uh, what they're calling a school safety and gun restriction proposal uh, that would ban the sale of firearms to anyone under 21. But they differed on whether some teachers should carry guns. The Broward County School Superintendent said he is adamantly opposed to teachers having guns. President Donald Trump repeated in a speech uh, to uh, the uh, conserv- to the right-wing um, CPAC conference that he favors the idea. 
But, you know, don't listen to those actual educators, Mr. Trump. You know, you know what's right for them. They don't know anything about school safety. Only you do. Am I right, Mr. Bunker? Uh, anyway, Rick Scott, who is uh, widely expected to run for the U.S. Senate this year, outlined his plan at a Tallahassee news conference on on, on Friday, which began by uh, sort of using an AR-15 figuratively to absolutely blow away a completely phony straw man argument. I know there are some who are advocating a mass takeaway of Second Amendment rights for all Americans. That is not the answer. No, actually, Governor, there are not some. Uh, People are not advocating to take away Second Amendment rights for all Americans. Uh, But, you know, in in that eight seconds, uh, he completely created a a phony state in, in which to have this conversation. The fact that I even have to, you know, talk about all of this stuff in terms of infringing upon the uh, upon the Second Amendment. Senator Marco Rubio, who also has an A plus rating from the NRA and has taken more than three million dollars from them. Rubio did the same thing on CNN's town hall uh, on on guns on Wednesday night while suggesting that he was rethinking his previous adamant opposition to limiting the size of ammunition magazines these high capacity clips he was very adamant even after Sandy Hook and before he ran for president in 2016 he was opposed to putting any sort of limitations on that at all but on Wednesday night he suggested that he might rethink that position now in light of all the massacres in his own state with high capacity magazines since then he said uh, quote all americans have a second amendment right to buy a firearm and we should be very careful about anything that infringes on that uh this is of course the uh, broad definition of the second amendment that says anything that has anything at all to do with guns in any fashion whatsoever is somehow an infringement upon the Second Amendment that we then have to get into a Second Amendment uh, debate about. Which, of course, is all nonsense. There are all sorts of measures that we currently take now all over the country regarding guns, and those are not infringements upon the uh, Second Amendment. So, you see, uh, keeping someone from, uh, you know, anonymously buying a 100-round drum magazine to use in their AR-15, anonymously buying that off the Internet, that might infringe upon the Second Amendment rights of that person. Of course, it does not. The Second Amendment guarantees no such right. But hey, uh, if it does, aren't we infringing the rights of 18-year-olds right now if we say they can't purchase uh, semi-automatic rifles with this new legislation? Aren't we already infringing their rights by barring them from purchasing Handguns? They can't purchase handguns until they're 21 in the state of Florida. What about their rights? What about all the 16-year-olds, their rights? The 11-year-olds, the 8-year-olds? Don't they have Second Amendment rights as Americans, Senator Rubio? Are we infringing their rights, Governor Scott? In addition to banning firearm sales to anyone under 21, Governor Scott called for a trained Law enforcement officer for every 1,000 students at every school in Florida by the time the fall 28 school year, 2018 school year begins. Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, which has more than 3,000 students, had one armed resource officer who never entered the school while a gunman was uh, shooting people inside, according to officials. 
Donald Trump said as he headed out to speak at that wingnut CPAC conference that the armed officer who didn't stop the gunman responsible for last week's Florida massacre, he was a, quote, coward. That from a guy who received five rich white guy deferments from the draft so he didn't have to go to Vietnam because, yes, he was a coward. But the sheriff's officer who resigned on Thursday because he, he took cover or something behind a column during the shooting, I'm not sure what he was supposed to do. The, the suggestion is that he was supposed to run into a hail of bullets. Without tactical gear. Without tactical gear, without knowing who was shooting, without any backup at all. I mean, I don't know the whole story. So maybe there was something he should have done that I'm aware of, but the, the attacks that he's now receiving seem entirely inappropriate and unfair to me. Well, there's also a considerable amount of psychological scholarship on uh, the effect of fear in combat, and some people freeze. So that could be a factor. We don't actually know, but you know, I, you know I'm sure we'll figure out something about how we can better train officers in these situations. Uh, maybe is, uh, maybe he froze. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't see know. the video. I don't know. Uh, but I'm not sure you know, what the suggestion is that if we only arm one guy, he's supposed to run into a hallway where there's mass chaos and gunfire coming from God only knows where and, and, and take him down. He's supposed to go without any backup, without any help. He's supposed to go essentially go die. Uh, but again, you know, maybe there's something I'm unaware of there. Uh, among other things, the uh, the Governor Scott's plan would also create a violent threat restraining order that would let a court prohibit a violent or a mentally ill person from purchasing a or possessing a firearm or any other weapon when either a family member, community welfare expert, or law enforcement officer files a sworn request and presents evidence to the court of a threat of violence involving firearms or other weapons. Well, that's good. That sounds like one of those red flag laws that we um, passed out here some time ago in California that uh, Wendy Wheatcroft of, uh, of uh, uh, Moms, uh, Moms Demand, Demand Action, yes. yeah, she was on this show calling for that in the, in the days right after the Florida massacre. A number of so-called blue states have passed such laws. I think this would be the first time if it's, a, if it's adopted by the state of Florida uh, where a uh, far right-wing Republican state has passed uh, such a law. Florida has long been known as a gun lover's paradise. The proposal would also strengthen gun purchase and possession restrictions for mentally ill people. According to AP, well, that's swell, too. Perhaps that will go some ways in Florida towards making up for the measure that was adopted by Republicans just last year and signed by Donald Trump in order to make it easier for those adjudicated with uh, mental health problems uh, to allow them to be able to purchase a firearm. And yes, Marco Rubio voted in favor of that one last year as well. Scott's also seeking $50 million for mental uh, health initiatives to expand mental health services by providing counseling, crisis management, and other mental health services for youth and, uh, and young adults. The governor's plan made no mention of arming teachers on school grounds, so apparently this is something that uh, Rick Scott is not uh, in favor of. However, the proposal from legislative leaders in Florida outlined... Um, by House Speaker Richard Corcoran included one to let a teacher carry a gun in school if he or she completed the requisite training to be a law enforcement officer 
He called that aspect of the plan a game, quote, game changer, because, you know, really, this is just a game to these folks. Archie Bunker would be proud. But hey, among the lowest hanging fruit, upping the uh, purchase age uh, requirements for a semi-automatic weapon of mass destruction is now on the table. In Florida, at least, and uh, even in the U.S. Congress, maybe. Yes, we are finally taking a look at whether it makes sense to allow someone who is not old enough legally to buy a beer, whether it makes sense to allow them to buy a weapon which they can use to mow down 30 people in a matter of minutes, as the 19-year-old shooter at Stoneman Douglas High School was able to do last week after legally purchasing about 10 of those weapons. But Florida puts its foot down if that guy wants to purchase a can of beer. That would be a bridge too far. But now uh, we got some movement, at least, uh, and sort of, kind of, some movement even in Congress uh, among at least one Republican. Pat Roberts, Republican of Kansas, a senator from Kansas, on Thursday called for age restrictions on AR-15 assault rifles. He told reporters at the Kansas Capitol that nobody under 21 should have an AR-15. How courageous. Uh, he said, this is an opportunity. If you look at these youngsters who are so emotionally tied into this grief of losing their friends, he told the uh, Wichita Eagle, an NRA spokesman told the Eagle that raising the age requirement would punish, quote, law abiding citizens for the evil acts of criminals. So the NRA is firmly against raising the age. But again, doesn't that punish uh, if you if you can be 18 and buy these, doesn't that punish a 17-year-old law-abiding citizen for the evil acts of criminals? I'm sure the NRI would argue that. Roberts, uh, Senator Roberts has received more than $1.5 million from the NRA over the course of his political career, according to the Wichita Eagle. He said, but I, I think we're ready as Congress to actually pass something, and I think it's going to be better background checks. Certainly nobody under 21 should have an AR-15. Well, we'll uh, we'll see what, if anything, Congress actually passes. But this is not a Congress problem. This is a Republican problem. And, of course, by extension, it is all of our problems. But uh, we hear too often that, you know, Congress is deadlocked. Congress can't move anything forward on guns, on immigration, on really anything. Anything but huge tax cuts for rich people and making it easier for the mentally ill to purchase firearms, I guess. But this is not a Congress issue. It's a Republican issue. It does not make you or me partisan to say that out loud. It makes us truth tellers, frankly. It also doesn't mean the Democrats are wonderful. It means that Republicans, frankly, are horrible. And the only solution right now, at least as I see it, is removing them from office and replacing them with Democrats or anybody else. If a third party candidate can actually be elected, I'm fine with that. If they can actually be elected versus make it easier for another Republican to take office. Uh, Catherine Rampell of Washington Post wrote about this earlier this week. She said dysfunctional Washington refuses to work out its differences to solve problems that matter to Americans. So say pundits and policy activists, perhaps hoping that diffuse criticism for dysfunctional Washington rather than finger pointing will yield a government willing to govern. But the problem, she writes, isn't Washington. It is in Congress. 
The problem is elected officials from a single political party, the GOP. Republicans in the White House and Congress are the ones standing in the way of helping dreamers. They are not merely obstructing gun reform, but they are also rolling back existing gun measures. She says you'd never know it from the usual blame Washington rhetoric, but there are a lot of common sense policy changes on supposedly unsolvable issues that huge majorities of voters from both parties support. That includes protecting dreamers, the uh, young undocumented immigrants brought here as children. For example, in a recent Quinnipiac poll, 81 percent of Americans, including 68 percent of Republicans, say that dreamers should be allowed to stay and apply for citizenship, and yet dreamers are scheduled to start losing their protected status. In just uh, less than two weeks, on March 5, and Republicans are doing nothing about that. Who set that in motion? President Trump, a Republican, writes Rampell, and who has blocked a legislative fix? Republican lawmakers. She says, uh, call it caving or compromise, but Democrats have repeatedly ceded ground on the immigration principles, including on their immigration principles, including by agreeing to fund Donald Trump's border wall. Three votes were held about a week or so ago to try to help the Dreamers. All three failed. Uh, the first one was a clean proposal to uh, offer uh, Dreamers citizenship. Nearly all the Democrats voted for it, but all but four Republicans voted against it. Then there was a bipartisan compromise bill in that case. Um, it included a path to citizenship, uh, funding for border security, prohibition on Dreamers sponsoring parents for legal status. That also failed. Nearly all the Democrats voted for it and nearly all the Republicans against it. On guns, too, she writes, Congress has been portrayed as generically dysfunctional, always at a at reasonable people can disagree loggerheads. But here, too, widespread agreement among voters from both parties on modest gun safety measures. Nine in 10 Republicans support background checks for all gun buyers. Nine in 10 Republicans the same share supports preventing the mentally ill from purchasing guns. Majorities of Republican voters support banning gun modifications that can make semi-automatic guns into uh, automatic weapons, barring gun purchases by people on terrorist no-fly lists, banning assault weapons, creating a federal database to track gun sales. These are huge, hugely popular among Republican voters. That's what Republican voters want. But the NRA-funded Republican politicians, they don't care. Republican lawmakers killed universal background checks, uh, check bills considered after Sandy Hook and San Bernardino. They voted against reinstating the assault weapons ban five years ago. Not a single Republican is co-sponsoring the same proposal that is now in the U.S. Senate. Last year, Republicans voted to roll back that Obama rule that would have made it harder for people with mentally ill uh, with mental illness to buy a gun. And, of course, the Republican House has already passed the Concealed Carry Reciprocity Act, which forces states that prefer stricter gun control measures to cede their ability to enforce them. States' rights be damned. Uh, commentators, she says, uh, call Congress deadlocked and slam Democrats for being unwilling to consider compromise. 
Frankly, I would argue, if anything, that Democrats compromise far too much, and they have for years. That's why Republicans know they don't have to they don't have to concede anything at any time on any of these issues. But Rampell writes, obscuring uh, which politicians stand in the way of that elusive compromise may instead allow them to keep getting away with it. Uh, Yeah, of course it will. And as we talk about, you know, Congress is broken. Congress can't do anything. This is Republicans, Republicans who are blocking all of this stuff. Yeah, Republicans. The Republican Party is what is broken. The Republican Party is what is holding pretty much the rest of the country hostage and preventing us from taking making any progress. I mean, look at the effects of climate change. Look at all of the bills around the, the country and the state legislatures dominated by Republicans that are fighting to stall the progress of renewable energy, that want to cede control of the renewable the, the renewable energy revolution, which is sweeping the world. China is going to lead that. China is going to make the profits because we are being held back by the Republican Party. And again, this doesn't make you a partisan. It doesn't make me a partisan when I point this out. You know, I'll tell you what, uh, get these Republicans out, get Democrats in, and I will be I'll be more than happy to beat the crap out of these Democrats. But if you're, you know, comparing side by side, if you're looking at uh, our gun laws, our immigration laws, our climate change laws, and you're seeing who is stopping progress, it is not the Democrats. It is the Republicans. We need to do a better job. We need better Democrats. But we are we continue to be in a national emergency. And until we uh, do something about that and uh, get Donald Trump out somehow, get the Republicans out somehow, it is going to be up to the voters to to get to the polls and to change that equation. I don't have time for this here. I'll just point folks to a uh, Greg Sargent wrote about this in uh, uh, Morning Plum in Washington Post. Angry about Trump and gun violence? Do this now, Democrats. That's the headline. And he talks about the fact that Democrats, uh, you know, not just at the congressional level, but also at the state level. They need to uh, make gains, and they very well could make gains this year at the state level. The Many of the gubernatorial pickup opportunities for Democrats in uh, are in you know New Mexico, Maine, Nevada, Ohio, Michigan, Florida, where the latest gun massacre took place. Five of those states have more gun deaths than the national average because they have weaker than average gun laws or gun regulations. Uh, And so uh, now is the time. Now is the chance. Legislatures, the fight for legislatures across the country, that is underway. Democrats have been racking up big wins that we've been reporting on this show in these special elections. Well, Democrats can now flip the House in a number of states, including Florida and Michigan and Ohio and Maine, if they hit the polls this year. That means voting. And uh, as ever. And yes, it may mean voting for Democrats who are less than uh, less, less great than you and I might like. But as long as the Republicans are allowed to rule, no real progress will be made on any of these fronts. You know, that's something that progressive Democrats need to come to grips with. Those folks who might vote against a two centrist, a two corporatist Democrat, I would say work like hell to primary them if you can. Work like hell to support a third-party candidate if you can, but if it looks like that vote is going to help allow another Republican to get into office or to stay in office, I would uh, urge you to think twice about the people 
the real people that are being harmed, that are being threatened, that are, yes, being killed needlessly in the bargain. That said, let's take a break, and we will come back with uh, some more news of the day here on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. From Russia with love, I fly to you. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. We'll we'll get back to, um, well, to guns, uh, certainly uh, in, in Florida. Uh, in a minute here, but I want to hit a couple of other uh, stories uh, breaking today. Rick Gates, the former senior advisor to President Donald Trump's election campaign, pleaded guilty on Friday to federal conspiracy and false statements charges, saying he will now cooperate in the special counsel's Russia investigation. The plea by Gates um, revealed that he will help special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation in, quote, any and all matters as prosecutors continue to probe the Trump campaign, Russian election interference, and Gates's longtime business associate Paul Manafort. AP reports that with his cooperation, Gates gives Mueller a witness willing to provide information on Manafort about his finances and political cons- uh, consulting work for the pro-Russian Ukrainian party and also someone who had access to the highest levels of Trump's 2016 presidential campaign. Remember, he stayed on the campaign even after Paul Manafort was uh, let go. Um, what was it, midsummer or so in uh, in 2016? So uh, Gates was around for a while. The plea came a day after a federal grand jury in Virginia returned a 32-count Indictment against Gates and Manafort, Trump's former campaign chairman. Uh, that one accused them of tax evasion and bank fraud. That came on top of a, a, another indictment last October against both of them. That's uh, so. This was uh, on Thursday, the second round of charges. Uh, in which uh, that first round uh, they were charged with uh, unregistered lobbying, conspiring to launder millions of dollars that they earned while working on behalf of that pro-Russian Ukrainian uh, political party. Gates's decision marks the fifth publicly known guilty plea in the special counsel probe into possible collusion between the Trump campaign and the Kremlin during the 2016 campaign. The plea also comes quickly on the heels of an indictment last week that laid out a broad operation of alleged election meddling by Russia, which, according to the indictment, began in 2014 and employed fake social media accounts and on-the-ground politicking to promote Trump's campaign, to disparage Hillary Clinton, and to sow division and discord widely among the U.S. electorate. 
The uh, charges to which Gates is pleading guilty don't involve any conduct conducted to the Trump campaign. They largely largely relate to a conspiracy of unregistered lobbying, money laundering, and uh, fraud. Well, we will see what uh, happens with that. I'm sure uh, plenty of people dissecting uh, that uh, latest uh, plea in the uh, special counsel's probe today. Uh, since that time, just before air, so I haven't even got to look at this, uh, but the new charges have apparently also been filed once again on Friday by Robert Mueller, um, alleging that Manafort, Trump's former campaign chair, paid European politicians to favor Ukraine. We will have plenty of time to uh, cover that, I suspect, in the days ahead. He certainly is putting the squeeze on Manafort. Ain't he, though? Uh, and so uh, we'll see. We'll see what comes out of that. That could be the key to everything. That could be uh, the key to absolutely nothing. Exactly. <laughs> Donald Trump uh, might fire his national security advisor. Speaking of Russia, the uh, his national security advisor, Lieutenant General H.R. McMaster, his second national security advisor, his other one is under indictment and has pled guilty in the special counsel probes. That would be Mike Flynn. But his uh, second national security advisor, H.R. Uh, McMaster, could now be fired after saying that uh, evidence of Russia's interference in the 2016 U.S. election was, quote, unquote, incontrovertible. Sources close to the White House told CNN this week that uh, Pentagon officials are quietly trying to find a new job for McMaster in the Pentagon. Several sources told CNN that the push for a replacement comes after months of personal tension between McMaster and Trump. CNN says the desire to fire McMaster as national security advisor was reinforced after those recent mar remarks about Russia's role. In, uh, in helping Trump to get elected. McMaster had said at a security conference, quote, as you can see with the FBI indictment, he's talking about the indictment of those 13 Russians and uh, three Russian organizations, as you can see with the FBI indictment, the evidence is now really incontrovertible and available in the public domain, whereas in the past it was difficult to attribute. Trump responded in kind with a tweet to his own national security advisor to say General McMaster forgot to say that the results of the 2016 election were not impacted or changed by the Russians and that the only collusion was between Russia and crooked Hillary, the DNC and the Dems. Um, all that last part is uh, nonsense as far as collusion between Russia and Hillary Clinton and the Democrats. Um, and it's also nonsense where he says that the 2016 election was not impact or impacted or changed by the Russians because uh, the uh, the indictment against those Russians goes out of its way to say we have no idea if any of this impacted the election. And as the Homeland Security Department of Homeland Security has admitted, they themselves never checked any of the ballots or the voting systems themselves to find out if, in fact, they were hacked in any fashion. All right. Well, uh, moving on. Uh, speaking of uh, speaking of Donald Trump, uh, speaking of his family, a lawyer representing First Lady Melania Trump's parents say they're now living legally in the U.S. Well, that's nice 
first lady. Uh, she's from Slovenia. She yeah. uh, has her parents here now uh, with her full time. The lawyer says Slovenian nationals Victor and Amalia Navs. I think that's how you say her her maiden name. I don't know. I'm going to go with Navs. Uh, quote: are, They are both lawfully admitted to admitted to the United States as permanent residents. According to their lawyer, uh, Michael Wildis, the uh, the attorney is declining further comment, however, including discussion when the couple would be eligible for citizenship or how their green cards were obtained. The issue was uh, sparked in part by the Washington Post Glenn Kessler uh, a few weeks ago, who looked into the question of how Melania pa- Melania's parents are here at all. As Donald Trump and the Republicans have been pushing to end so-called chain migration, which is really family reunification immigration. Um, That has brought the questions about their residency here to light. If she was able to come over here somehow, obtain a a green card and then become a resident, I'm sorry, a, a citizen, how were her family allowed to come here, her parents allowed to come here? Donald Trump has been pushing to limit immigrants' abilities to sponsor relatives to join them in the U.S. To specifically, uh, he would like to end the sponsorship of uh, of parents of, of those who receive citizenship somehow here in the U.S. He's endorsed legislation that would prevent immigrants from sponsoring their parents and would only allow them to sponsor spouses and minor children. Not even adult children, not even children over the age of 23. Right. And certainly not their parents. Glenn Kessler broke down all of the various possible ways that the uh, that the parents could be here. Uh, And after, you know, as far as, you know, what the legal mechanisms uh, they could have used to come here, the various programs that are available to people like them to be in this country. And after looking at the various legal means by which the Naveses could be in the country, Kessler finds that two of the most likely possibilities are politically troubling for this White House. He writes, frankly, the most logical possibility is that the Naveses have received legal permanent residence because they are parents of a U.S. citizen And they may have had this status for years. For the president's policy preferences, Kessler notes, that's also the most problematic option. He says, as we noted, uh, we gave Melania Trump's spokesperson ample opportunity to explain the immigration status of the Navses, and yet she would not comment on how it is they are here at all with this kind of uh, legal permanent resident status. He says it's a mystery why the White House refuses to answer such a simple question. Given the president's high profile demand to limit immigration, well, that might explain why they don't want to answer that question. It's an easy question. It's not a national security matter. How are your, you know, your your mother and father in law? Which is kind of creepy to even call them that because her dad is only two years older than Donald Trump. Ew. I know, right? Uh, But uh, how are they here? What's their uh, immigration status? That should be public information. The White House won't talk about it, which means that they probably benefited from 
exactly the programs that Donald Trump is uh, trying to kill now and is using uh, as he has taken the uh, the dreamers, the, the 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 deferred action for childhood arrival recipients, the DACA recipients, uh, as he has taken them hostage. Remember, with everything that's going on, we are just days away. March five is when all of those uh, those kids of, uh, of of folks who came here decades ago uh, unlawfully. We are just d- days away from their protection going away entirely. Yeah, and it was completely unnecessary. The program was working as intended. It was working just fine. It was only after Donald Trump decided, hey, I'm going to arbitrarily put this date on it. And after Republicans refused to fix it, which is sort of the point I was trying to make in the in the previous segment. This is not a problem. Congress can't pass anything on immigration. Republicans won't allow anything to pass on immigration, and they keep moving the goalposts. No one was even talking about ending the family reunification program, otherwise known uh, by Republicans as chain migration. Nobody was even talking about that until Donald Trump decided that that's what he wanted to do, that that's what he wanted to add on top of uh, the the human shields that he is using these DACA kids for at this point. That's Republicans doing that. Republicans could overcome that, no matter what the uh, president says. They could give uh, DACA kids a legal status tomorrow and a path to citizenship tomorrow, even if Donald Trump is against it. They could pass it, let Donald Trump veto it, and then they would pass it. They would over uh, override that veto if they wanted to. But you know who doesn't? Republicans. And it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in the next uh, couple of weeks as that uh, as that deadline uh, times out on March 5. All right. Finally, one more before break here. Uh, Defense Secretary James Mattis is breaking with President Trump. He has now formally recommended that transgender troops be allowed to serve in the U.S. military. A senior U.S. official confirmed to Fox News on Friday, uh, so you know it's true, that Mattis uh, made this recommendation to Donald Trump. The official announcement about transgender policy is expected from the White House no later than March 23, according to officials. Over the summer, the Pentagon was caught by surprise when the president tweeted that transgender people were no longer welcome in the military, quote, in any capacity. He hadn't bothered, of course, to tell his own defense secretary at the time or any of his generals, anybody at the Pentagon. He just said, we're kicking out transgender people, no matter how long they have served, no matter how honorably they have served, and we're not letting any, uh, any more of them in. That order, like so many of Donald Trump's orders, uh, I should say tweets disguised as orders or orders disguised as tweets, uh, that order was later blocked in federal court. A separate official told Fox News that Mattis's recommendation would not violate those uh, recent orders that declared Trump's ban on transgender people serving in the military unlawful. So we're probably not going to hear much more about that, at least I hope. The uh, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff had also raised concern about kicking out transgender troops who were already serving honorably in our military. So, you know, uh, the, the worst of Donald Trump slash Archie Bunker's uh, bluster and nonsense is happily being blocked by the courts, by the Constitution, 
Uh, but as far as progress goes, I guess we're going to have to wait to see what happens uh, at the polls in 2018. See if we can uh, protect these dreamers and see how many uh, people we can ultimately protect from being shot and killed in the streets of our country because Republicans won't take action. Quick break, and we are back with uh, some uh, some some closing thoughts for now on the uh, Parkland massacre last week. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. In response to last week's deadly shooting in Florida, two prominent gun safety groups are joining with Tom Steyer, the Democratic billionaire activist, in a push ahead of the midterm elections to register high school students to vote around gun issues. Oh, good. Yeah, what took them so long? Uh, Steyer's Next Gen America is working with the group formed by uh, Congresswoman Gabby Giffords and her husband, Mark Kelly, after she was shot in the head in 2011, uh, along with Every Town for Gun Safety, the uh, group formed by former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg. Uh, the effort is kicking off with a million-dollar donation from Steyer, who said in the wake of this shooting in Parkland, what we saw was that the difference between this shooting and other shootings is uh, th these were older kids and they had a voice that was incredibly powerful on a topic where elected officials had been paid for years or decades to look the other way, Steyer said. We've always said that millennials are the biggest and least politically represented group in the U.S. This is exactly why we're doing what we're doing, said Steyer. The effort will include digital and mail registration pushes and will also work to pre-register students who are not yet 18 in states where that is allowed. Well, what took you so long? I guess it uh, took the emergence of these uh, students, uh, these incredible, amazing students who every single one of them, every time I see them, uh, you know, have just uh, been so impressive in every regard uh, they are, as we talked about on uh, Thursday's show, th uh, th those teens will save us. Uh, if at we're least, lucky. Yeah, if we're lucky. Stephen Colbert uh, had a response to those kids on uh, Wednesday to the rise of these uh, teens from the Stoneman Douglas High School demanding change to our nation gun laws. Uh, here's what he had to say. My message for the people in office is you're either with us or against us. We are losing our lives while the adults are playing around. To every politician who is taking donations from the NRA, shame on you. 
You haven't taken a single bill for mental health care or gun control and passed it. And that's pathetic. Are you kidding me? You think now is the time to focus on the past and not the future to prevent the death of thousands of other children? You sicken me. We're children. You guys, like, are the adults. He's right. The adults aren't cutting it anymore. I think we need to change the voting age. Until we do something about guns, you can't vote if you're over 18. <laughs> and it's more. I'd feel better. I'd feel better. And it's more than just words. These kids are taking action, organizing a series of school walkouts across the country and a march in Washington. These kids are inspiring. The only reason I walked out of class was to go behind the school and study. <laughs> Today, these kids bust to Tallahassee to ask lawmakers, to beg lawmakers, to reinstate the assault weapons ban, the very weapons that were used to kill their classmates. And with these students watching from the gallery, those legislators proved they heard their anguished cries and voted no anyway. Well, I hope these kids don't give up. Because this is their lives and their future. Someone else may be in power, but this country belongs to them. And there is reason for hope. Look at the Me Too movement. A lot of men in power did not see that coming. But it proved that change can happen overnight. And this is an election year. So if you want to see change, you have to go to the polls and tell the people who will not protect you that their time is up. At the end of the heated question and answer session in the CNN Town Hall broadcast on Wednesday, the Stoneman Douglas Drama Club performed a new original song that they had written just days after the tragic shooting at their school that killed 17 of their fellow students and teachers and wounded more than a dozen others. That song was called Shine. Tore down the walls and opened up all the gates You, you ruined this town You burned all of the bridges and you slowly let us drown But you're not gonna knock us down, we'll get back up again I promise we are drunk and we're not gonna let you in We're putting up a fight You may have brought the dark but together we will shine the light and whoa We will be something special Whoa We're gonna shine We're We're gonna stand tall Gonna raise up our voices so we'll never ever fall We're done with all your little games We're tired of hearing that we're too young to ever make a change Cause you're not gonna knock us down We'll be stronger and you're not gonna let you in We're putting up a fight You may have brought the dark but together we will 
will shine a light We can hug a little tighter, we can love a little more Laugh a little harder, we can stand up and roar If we all come together, it will be alright Stand up for one another and we'll never give up the fight we refuse to be ignored by those who will not listen. There are so many things you can do to become involved. Reach out to your congressman, mail, call, and tweet. The smallest of words can make the biggest difference. Be the voice for those who don't have one. Together we have the power to change the world around us. You're not gonna knock us down, we'll get back up again. You may I promise we'll be stronger and we're not gonna let you in we're putting up a fight you may have brought the dark but together we will shine the light you're not gonna knock us down we'll get back up again you may have heard us but I promise we'll be stronger and we're not gonna let you in we're putting up a fight you may have brought the dark but together we will shine the light and whoa Something special. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We will shine. They are something special. Those were the Stoneman Douglas uh, Drama Club kids performing the song that they wrote just days after that massacre at their school. We got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us uh, every day here on the broadcast. It is greatly appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, you can download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. You can drop me email if you like. I'd love to hear from you. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. Angie Coiro will be in for us uh, on the next Bradcast as we let Desi take a day off for her birthday. Yay! You're welcome. Hey, anyone who stops by bradblog.com slash donate in the next couple of days, we'll give all of that to Desi <laughs> for her birthday uh, uh, to uh, say thanks uh, for all that she does and my thanks uh, to all of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to allow us to stay on your public airwaves as long as we possibly can. That is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. You're not gonna knock us down. We'll get back up again. You may have heard us, but I promise we'll be stronger and we're not gonna let you in. We're putting up a fight. You may have brought the dark, but together we will shine the light. You're not gonna knock us down.